Udolfo's troglodytic cuisine in a cave-like atmosphere. He read on, heart in mouth. She'd visited the restaurant on three occasions, once in the company of an abstract artist from Detroit and twice with her regular companion, a young man so discerning she referred to him only as the palate. On all three occasions, she'd been sniffed, disappointed. The turn of the century gas lamps Udolfo's grandfather had brought over from Naples hadn't appealed to her. So dark, we joked that it was like dining among Neanderthals in the sub-basement of their cave. Nor had the open fire in the massive stone fireplace that dominated the room, smoky and stinking of incinerated chestnuts. And then there was the food. When Albert got to the line about the pasta, he couldn't go on. He folded the paper as carefully as he might have folded the winding sheet over Udolfo's broken body and set it aside. Lightning recap. In T.C. Boyle's Sorry Fugu, a chef tries to impress a hard-to-impress food critic. I think you have a little time. And I think that you have, well, we have a little podcast. (laughs) This are... Short story, short podcast. I am your host, Christopher J. Garcia, with the other host. Christy Baxter, who uh, I think I should change my name to the botching bitch. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I I think where we are as a country today means we all should be reading more short stories. What short story should we start with in that quest? In that quest, we should start with Sorry Fugu by T.C. Boyle. And am I pronouncing Fugu right? You are pronouncing Fugu right. It is, although maybe the Simpsons were pronouncing it wrong because that's the only way I know it's pronounced. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. I see. Yes. Uh, so let me start by saying a word of appreciation for T.C. Boyle. Uh, if... Joyce Carol Oates is the wasp goddess of this podcast. The godhead has to be T.C. Boyle. And it is everything to the fact that everything he writes gets reviewed by the New York Times Review of Books is true about T.C. Boyle. He also happens to be one of my favorite writers. And the book, The Road to Wellville, is a masterpiece. Tortilla Curtain is great. Uh, He had a wonderful story in Playboy back about 2002 called, uh, it was something like Coronation or Celebration. It was a story about a planned city that was a part of an amusement park. And he's one of those writers who can write the hell out of nothing happening. I fully agree with that because that is what is happening in the story is a lot of nothing. And he writes the hell out of it. It is very vibrant. It has an excellent flow. And it's so nice to sink into it that you don't even care that there's not really anything happening. Yeah, and that's a skill that a lot of the writers that we have talked about seem to be able to do at times. But I can't think of any other writer we've covered who does it as often, as well as T.C. Boyle. He can even do it in a whole novel, honestly. (laughs) But one of the things is if you look at the way he because he is a paragraphed writer. 
if you're looking for argument, you're not going to find it here. I fully agree. <laughs> 100%. A paragraph writer. Yes, 100%. He is possibly the paragraphiest paragraph writer that we have talked about on this show. Yeah, and I think that actually plays to his ability to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear at times <laughs> is that he can do so much by chunking his stories just right. And this is something that a great writer needs to do and I am terrible at, and I've got like six months to get better at it, <laughs> is how do you keep a reader engaged in a thought? And then how do you transition them to the next thought? And when you see how Boyle manages to do that, it really makes it sort of obvious, oh, this is how you close and this is how you establish. Yeah, it's a very, uh, I think that's also part of the flow that, that I talked about. That it, everything is, is joined together. The transitions are really perfect and it really helps you to, to stay in the story. Um, it's something we haven't really talked about too much before, as much as we talk about paragraph writers, sentence writers and everything, is that ability that some writers have to just kind of grab you and pull you in and via their transitions almost. I mean, we have a sentence here. Well, it's, it's three sentences, but it's a single paragraph and it's a disaster, pure, unalloyed, unmitigated. The night was a disaster. And it's just such a nice transition between all the bad stuff that was happening and the bad stuff that's going to happen soon. <laughs> and then he does that same thing again, a couple pages later, she'd be back twice more and he would be ready for her. I mean, it's just, it's the perfect setting of the table for the next pitch. And I love that. I love that feeling that, oh, I am being eased in like a, warm bath to this next paragraph and well there it is and uh, but uh what I love is we have an accumulation of characters who have easily exploitable quirks my personal favorite being the is it the waiter I uh, Albert <laughs> Is, was it Albert, the one who... Uh, Albert's the chef. Uh, oh, Albert's the chef, that's right. Yeah, uh, Roke and, and uh, Fulgencio are the dishwashers. And Eduardo is, I believe, the waiter. And then also Tori, there's a Tori in there. Yeah, I think yeah, it's Eduardo, the Chilean waiter who'd learn a la Chico Marx to sprinkle superfluous ahs through his speech and thus pass for Italian. Hmm. <laughs> That is so pointedly just, he's giving all these wonderful little little tidbits as to, you know, you have Albert, uh, who was, I guess, easily excitable. Would that be the right word? Yeah. And of course you have Willa Frank as a villain. Yeah, there's a good reason for the question mark that you put at the end of that uh, what would have been statement. It's really, she, she's, she's a villain, but she gets, I think, seduced to the good side. Is that, is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, I think, I think she is Vader on the floor of the second Death Star. 
I think that's <laughs> probably the way I could look at her and make her make some sense to me. <laughs> but I mean, it's just... I'll... I just have to say, I love that we're applying Star Wars as a metaphor to T.C. Boyle. It's it's very on brand. <laughs> and and well, it should be, uh, young Padawan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I love how when Boyle wraps up a story, he's only kind of tying a knot. <laughs> It's a loose knot. It's a very loose knot. I, this was one of those where I got to the ending and I was like, uh, oh, okay, that's that's it. There's no next page. <laughs> I, I kind of didn't expect that to be the ending once I got to it. So yeah, it's definitely, there is satisfaction. That's not to say that it's not a satisfying action or sati- ugh, satisfying ending by any means, but it definitely, it, feels still abrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, but I think that that last set of exchanges with Albert and the Fugu talk and going back and forth, it feels so different than the rest of the story. I think that that exchange, the the rapid fire pace of that comparatively makes it a clear sign that we're wrapping up. <laughs> It does, yeah. We we all of a sudden have this this back and forth dialogue that isn't in the style uh, that we've really become accustomed to. Especially, you know, him being a paragraph writer. Paragraph writers, I think, just naturally use less dialogue. Interesting mm-hmm. thought I just had that I'm going to have to continue thinking about as we read more stories and see if it bears itself out. But it it does sort of increase the pace. Uh, of your reading and makes it so that you you can feel that okay like you know this is a this is a crescendo and then it's going to you know have the falling action and fall off it's just that the falling action is just a little more abrupt than what we usually get we don't get a lot of denouement i think is really not, one of the things not really not not at all and that's fine because many times i think the denouement can either be implied or it can be very much reader's choice honestly I mean you can look at the story and I think really the question is will a Frank's review what's it gonna be and I think the most likely interpretation is it's gonna be positive he has seduced her into like really enjoying food and it's gonna be a positive review but you know, there is a, another take that you could look at it and, and question whether she, you know, with her fear of being wrong about whether something is good, if, if his food maybe isn't enough to get her over that particular little quirk in her personality and she still writes a, a, a bad review. So there, there's a couple different ways of looking at it, but it's all up to the reader. Correct. And... Mm-hmm. Where this also plays, I think, is that I think the ending codifies this idea that her review doesn't mean as much to him as the sensation that he can make her enjoy her food no matter what she says. That is true. That is a really good point that you make. It's 
that's where his interests lie and in seeing people enjoy his food. And the review is just sort of a side effect of the main problem that he doesn't think she's enjoying his food. So the, the review is, is what will, will show the truth of her enjoyment and he just has to make her actually enjoy it is all. Yeah, and I think that beauty is, here is a writer who has been savaged at times and at times held up as one of the truly great American writers, uh, very much like William Soroyan, in fact. And in fact, his writing shares some things in common with Soroyan's that will be a topic of a article I'm writing later. Um, but what is fascinating is that he is presenting himself as a writer in the, I honestly believe he is writing, he got a terrible review for one of his books, probably Talk Talk, which is one of my favorites actually. And he decided to write this story as a way to express his frustration. But mm -hmm. then he needed to walk it back a little bit. And he gave us that very uncharacteristically Boyle ending, which on my, the version I printed is Definitely the same story, definitely the same story, definitely the same story. The paragraphs are all chunked out until the last page. And then it's, uh, oh wow, it's just free float back and forth. Mine actually, part of the reason that I felt like I wasn't certain whether it was really over was that he ends on the word open up. And in my copy, uh, there's no closing uh, um, quote on that. It's, it's quotation mark open up period. I was like, uh, so that, that introduced another, I'm sure that a printing error, obviously, I don't think that that PC Boyle actually did that, but uh, that, that also contributed to my uncertainty as to whether <laughs> there was more to come. It's an implied close quote, um, yeah. <laughs> very rarely used. <laughs> but uh, this made me very hungry, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, and again, like every time there's a, a story that has some food descriptions, I fall in love. Uh, <laughs> uh, a blasphemy of baby lamb's lettuce frise endive. <laughs> that phrase alone is just, oh, and then followed up not too far along by the fresh angel hair had all the taste and consistency of mucilage. Mm, yeah, I want something uh, in, with a creamy sauce right now. I'm thinking and I'm just spitballing here. I want cavatappi with a Kraft mac and cheese sauce. I was gonna go for vodka sauce, but sure. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> to each their own, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like craving like vodka sauce right now. And it's the story's <laughs> fault, entirely the story's fault. <sighs> and that's... That's a sign of an effective writer. When you want to engage with the thing they are, they are talking about after you've read it, they have affected a change in you. And that's something we've seen a lot of writers do. You know, A great sports writer makes you wanna go and watch more sports. A great movie critic makes you wanna go watch a bunch of movies. A writer who writes about food, and if you wanna eat afterwards, he's done his job. Or, you just, your blood sugar is low and you got to take care of it. There, there, there are two <laughs> options. There are, yeah. 
And this definitely would have been, I think, a difficult story for him to write. I got to give him props for it because the writing process takes so much longer than the reading process. And if it were me writing this, I would have been starving. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a story you can write when you're full. Oh, that's a good catch. I never would have thought of that. That's. <sighs> no, well, you remember <laughs> you remember my observation that uh you know when when food comes up in a story usually the author is hungry and it's from my own lived experience when all of a sudden a, a character started making a full breakfast and I was like oh oh yeah my stomach is empty <laughs> than when I was writing so so yeah I can I can definitely see that you could you could do this hungry because that the hunger inspires you and just makes it all the the richer but when you're full I mean when you're full do you want to sit there and, and write about food no you want to lay down and rub your tummy I do want to rub my tummy <laughs> <laughs> um, got anything else on this one there Christy uh no just I'm gonna have some vodka sauce definitely at some point very soon and I'm gonna have some vodka um <laughs> now hey Christy hey Chris how about we take December off and then come back in January, kicking and ready to go, wearing our new Christmas sweaters in January, which might be weird. I don't think so. <laughs> I am fully on board with that. I will make sure that I pick out the perfect Christmas sweater or steal one from my husband because he just got a, he got a really good one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think that that is a good idea so that we'll be refreshed for the new year and can come and talk about short stories for 2022. God help us. <laughs> I never thought I'd make it to 2022. I thought we'd just skip right over to 2023. I know, I'm not ready for this. And yet, uh, I feel like it's also already happened. It's very strange <laughs> feeling. Oh, yes. Well, until that does happen, this has been Short Story. Short Podcast.